from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get ten dollars off your next order. I am the host of RGR Football, as well as your buddy over at Rogue Analytics. My name is Ryan Tracy. Welcome to the show. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you very much for listening. We always do appreciate our listeners and especially our new listeners. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are here every day during the week. Uh, we are covering this team five days a week and you will get a ton of information from us uh, all year round. Yeah. And today is, is no different. Uh, we'll have Matt Derrick on here in a little bit in the next segment. Uh, we're going to go over a lot of the hype that's going on right now, as well as what we see about the injury process is the Chiefs are getting actually ready to wind down training camp. And we have to start with a little bit of news about who won't be available. So on Tuesday, the word came down that it is a two-game suspension for defensive tackle Mike Pinnell. Uh, he, he did put out an apology on social media and um, said that he actually didn't know what caused it. I haven't seen the specifics of it either in any release from the team or from the league, but it does appear that Mike Pinnell is going to miss Game one against the Texans and game two against the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, it's really interesting to me that he doesn't know what caused it and that he's not appealing it at all whatsoever. Uh, because if you don't know what caused it, why should you be subject to a suspension? Uh, although, you know, I guess maybe there's no way of, of, te- of really knowing what caused it at this point. But, you know, it's one thing that they're going to have to deal with the player. And he obviously is very sorry for it and probably just wants the situation over with. Uh, but uh, it's not going to be good that he's missing the first two weeks of the season. Uh, but again, he's not—he's not a Christian. It's not a Chris Jones. It's not a starter. I don't think Pinnell is going to be a starter. I think Derek Naughty is still the starter there. So uh, they're going to be losing some depth, and they're going to be losing a little bit of the ability to stop the run against a guy like David Johnson. Which that's going to be a big question mark for the Houston Texans to begin with. Well, and that's the only thing that gives me pause because Steve Spagnuolo this week in his press conference kind of hinted at the fact that he felt the Texans can run the ball pretty well and then might see some uh, two tight end, two running back type uh, personnel groups. And so it did seem a little concerning for him because Mike is so good against the run. So that rotation is going to change a little bit. Uh, and the first guy up should be Colin Saunders to play next to Naughty on rundowns, give Chris Jones a little bit of a break from time to time. Maybe. Maybe it's Colin Saunders. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're looking at Saunders in a different role. I would think it's going to be Saunders, but the problem is, and we've said this all off season so far, we haven't seen practices. We haven't seen what they're doing. So really hard to know if it's going to be Saunders or if they're going to be looking elsewhere on that line. Yeah, there's some depth. and I, We get into it here in a minute with Matt about who's where, but the bottom line is that if your only concern, as they showed us last season, uh, is the run game, Unless it's Derrick Henry or somebody who's shown the proclivity to to hit home runs in the run game over and over and over, the Chiefs feel like their offense is going to put points up and get out to a lead, and it's almost going to force the opposition to get into a throwing pattern and lessen the chances that they have to put up with a, a steady feed of run action. No, absolutely. And then the other side of it is, is if you're playing against Lamar Jackson, I think that, that changes it a little bit as well. Uh, you know, being with it being the first two weeks, uh, you don't have that situation. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit better. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to run the ball okay this year, I think. But I don't think that they're going to be the running team uh, that you're going to be facing in week three, which is when Mike Pinnell would come back against the Baltimore Ravens. 
Yeah, that's going to be key because not only is Lamar Lamar, uh, but they added a really, really interesting rookie to that running backfield. They proved that they could run the ball very well last season. I think that that's going to be a staple for them, especially early in the year uh, when they're still trying to to adapt and build that offense around Lamar. I will not be surprised if they see a good way like they did, I think, to start the second half against the Chiefs last year where they ran, ran, ran in order to eat some clock and beat them up a little bit. Yeah, and that wouldn't shock me, but the question is, are they going to be effective doing it? And that's going to be something that we'll have to wait and find out when week three comes around. But the interesting thing, and this is something that we'll talk about a little bit later this week, is with Mike Pinnell not playing and you losing Bashad Breeland, that opens up two roster spots that don't have to be accounted for on the last day. So they just get moved to the suspended list. So you're going to have two more roster spots that you were not going to have going into the season. And that's something that's definitely going to be uh, looked looked upon to see how they fill those roster spots. It definitely is. And when we get back, I'm going to get into that with Matt Derrick about who might be filling some roles as we look at the Chiefs beginning their season. It's been a while, but Built Bar is back. And I know you guys missed them a ton. And they they came screaming back with a, a new brand, a new packaging, and six new flavors, including cookies and cream and carrot cake and almond crisp and a lot of interesting things. They are great for the health conscious guy and they're there to help you lose weight or maintain while giving yourself uh, a chance to indulge in a delicious treat. Yeah, I've absolutely loved Built Bar. They have a lot of different new flavors that are, they're going to be coming out with. So you be, need to be checking those out. Uh, Cherry Barcia, coconut almond, uh, as Ryan said, cookies and cream. Looks like you get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Uh, this will only last for a little bit. So if you're going to go order some Bill Bar, go do that right now. So you get your free cooler. Let us know what you think of the free cooler and what it's like. Send us a picture to Locked On account if you want to. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code Locked On for $10 off at Bill Bar. Welcome back, folks. It is uh, Tuesday recording, so that means Matt Derrick, wherever he happens to be. How you hanging in, Matt? Uh, happen to be in my office, so... I'm just just dandy. That is a good spot to be when you have to go through all these things. There's been a slew of information, a lot of guys at pressers lately. Um, and, and I like the pace that they're keeping. I, I feel like we're pretty well informed. Do you feel like you have a good pulse on on the injury updates and that kind of thing in terms of what we're getting from the team? I mean, I, I guess as good as we can have under the situation. I mean, it's not as good as we would have in a normal preseason training camp environment. I mean, we just don't get that. And even with like, you know, Derek Naughty, I mean, we had to wait a couple of days and I had to ask a couple of times before we finally got the, oh yeah, it's the ankle surgery in the off season. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's not ideal and we certainly know less than we have known in past years, but I, I guess in this virtual environment that we've got, I mean, I, 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 I think we're doing okay. I mean, I, I can't blame the Chiefs too much for what they're doing. I mean, they're always going to be wanting to keep some information close to the vest as if they can. Mm-hmm. It's harder to do that when it's open to everybody. <laughs> but in this situation, uh, I guess we know about as much as we can. It's not ideal, but everybody's making making it work. Gives them a little strategic advantage, maybe in a certain couple of ways. And, and there's plenty of guys on the list um, that aren't practicing for whatever form or factor. Now, what I want to ask you is, who are you most concerned about on the guys that are not on the field? You know, I can't say that I'm necessarily too concerned about anybody. I mean, the only one that would at this point really raise a a red flag with me is Deion Yelder, because here we are 
getting the, what you would have to call late August and he still hasn't practiced yet. So, um, that I think there's got to be a concern. And uh, I don't worry. I'm not anybody that's got a soft tissue injury, hamstring, calf, anything like that. That's out for a few days. Not concerning to me because they're just, it seems like around the league, people are just babying those and it's camp. So they're going to happen. Um, maybe Okafor will get into that point if we don't see him later in the week uh, mm-hmm. practicing. But other than that, I mean, this team has, has uh, at this point avoided any big injuries. Now, we still don't know specifically the issue with Ricky Seals Jones. Um, but, you know, considering at this point, I would slate him as the second or third tight end. I, it's not a huge loss. But then again, you couple him with Yelder and it has given them some number problems at tight end. Yeah, I think that's really the, the big problematic position on the offense. And I think we heard over the weekend, I think Mitch Holtha said that he got back out there in some form or fashion. Ricky Seals Jones, that is. But I didn't know what capacity either. Yeah, and he hasn't hasn't been on the on the practice reports as far as you know what he's, what he's what he's doing. So yeah, we're still kind of trying to figure out where he's at. So they've gotten all these these backup guys because of both he and Yelder not being able to practice. That makes sense. Nick Kaiser and his rainbow comment, I think, made him an instant star. <laughs> um, is there legitimacy that if if those two guys aren't able to start the season, can Nick Kaiser actually bring something to the offense as the backup tight end? In, in what is a pass first offense? I think so. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he already had, I think, the skill set to be a number two blocking type tight end. I mean, maybe he was, you know, last year, maybe he would, you know, qualify as more of a number three guy. And it was probably more experience that he was lacking than anything else. Um, but now, yeah, I mean, I, I, because to me, he is, he's a guy that can block. And I think has surprisingly good hands, not great hands, but probably better than you expect. And he said he's he's worked hard in the offseason on trying to improve his the receiving side of the game because it's what the Chiefs do. I mean, they throw the football around. Number two tight ends got to be able to catch the ball on occasion. So, you know, he said he's worked quite a bit with, you know, Travis Kelsey, with Coach Melvin um, about on his breaks, just trying to get faster. Um, being able to run crisper routes. And if that, if he can do that, then yeah, he, he becomes a little bit more of a legitimate threat in the passing game. And he's been getting the ball from a homes. So I, I think that's a good side. Um, Chiefs don't seem to have any concerns about running him at the number two. And I, I, I think he's got some upside there. Well, and congratulations to him because I, he's not a super athlete. He's not somebody that I thought actually fit the, the main role of a pass catching tight end, but. If you, if you're not somebody that's uber athletic, running more efficient routes will help you get to the spot that you need to be and more power to him. I, I hate to feel like I underestimated him, but maybe I did. If, if those two can't go and he's your two, do you think that they keep a third or are we talking about just a, a practice squad only kind of position? Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the key question. I mean, you know, with you having a couple of, you know, dinged up guys there, um, either Seals Jones or Yelder, either one would be, I think, the third tight end for sure. And maybe, like I said, you know, me seals Jones would even be the, the two tight end if healthy. Um, Daniel Helm that came in is, is probably more of a camp body there to just keep, keep the show going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 one, I think they would be perfectly fine at this point going out and, you know, running their, their two tight end sets with, with Kaiser and Kelsey. Um, I think that Andy Reid always wants a third tight end. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about that. So I think if either one of Seals Jones or Yelder is healthy, they probably make the 53, even if they're not ready for week one. 
mm-hmm. um, just because they want to be able to have that option. I mean, Andy Reid will go with two tight ends for a short period, but I don't see him going more than a couple of weeks without a third tight end. Just, just for my own edification, uh, any chance that becomes Sherman? <laughs> I think only in emergency situations. All right. All right. Anyway, um, the other area of interest, right? Any news that you have that maybe we haven't heard on Cleachio Semele? Um, no, I mean, nothing, nothing other than that. It does not appear to be serious at this point. Um, we will see, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's another one that we're kind of just taking out a, a wait and see on. For me, that's a serious hiccup. That's something that I found concerning, especially when you look at, at the fact that they're already replacing the right. If he's unable to go, who do you envision being who might be get a shot at, at coming in there at those positions? So call it the seventh and eighth offensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, I think right now I would be surprised if your starting five wasn't, you know, Fisher, Assembly, Ryder, Wiley, and Schwartz. And Mike Rimmers is your sixth guy who can play anywhere. Mm-hmm. Anybody goes down, I, I think Rimmers is the guy that's coming in. Maybe not the situation at center. You know, maybe they would go with a, a Nick Allegretti in that spot. Um, but I think that, yeah, any of the other four spots for sure. I think Rimmers comes in, and like I said, he might be the center too. I mean, we'll see. I mm-hmm. mean, he's, he's kind of a Swiss Army guy, so he can play anywhere. Um, but I think right now I get the impression that that's probably where the the top seven are kind of shaking out. Um, we'll see as far as you know how deep that goes. Um, you know, the Chiefs what kept ten, I think, offensive linemen early last season. Um, nine and ten was not uncommon, so they could keep some bodies there. So, mm-hmm. hey, Ryan Hunter is still in the mix. Um, Greg Sanat, I think, is still in the mix. Yasir Durant has been making a case. Jackson Barton, I think, is probably in that next group, too. Um, Rankin still hasn't been working, and we don't really know the depth of that injury. But as I've been saying for a while, I'd be really surprised if Martinez Rankin was ready for the beginning of the season. So I, I think that's your, to me, that's your top seven. And then I think you've got a handful of guys who are just, you know, competing to see how deep that rotation is going to go. They'll keep at least eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see how if they keep nine or ten. If they do, if they keep ten, I mean they've they've got some guys to fill that spot. The only question mark to me is they brought in Kilgore. I haven't seen him on yeah. the field or, or heard of him being on the field. He's got some experience. Could that be the the wild card in there? Yeah, and that's why I hold off on mentioning him yet to kind of you know see where he fits in because yeah, it's at this point it's not official. Um, and you know, and this is kind of some insight in just how the league is going to work this year because there is a five day gap between when a team says, hey, I want to sign somebody, and before you can get them in, because they've got to be able to go through three negative tests for COVID in four days. So if the Chiefs say on a Saturday, you know, that they want to sign somebody, get them in the town, it's going to be five days before they can get them on a field. So, you know, and, and we're still waiting to see, you know, how uh, how that will affect, you know, players going from like team to team during the waiver wire my understanding is that those situations of a player's going from just one team directly to another, those tests will carry over. Mm. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, if you're signing any street free agents, that's what's going to happen. And so with Kilgore, yeah, I mean, that's the situation would be that if they're bringing him in, he's still going to have to go through those, those three negatives in four days before he can join the roster. And that's to be expected. I don't think that falls outside any of our expectations. When we get back, we'll get into some of the things that are some question marks about different sides and different positions within this team. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. 
Give yourself one last thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings the food that you've been craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be safely delivered outside your door. I actually used the contactless delivery drop-off setting. It was awesome on my vacation. Uh, I was staying in a hotel, had them bring DoorDash to my door. Uh, That was fantastic. Many of your local restaurants are still open for delivery, so go check them out. Just open the DoorDash app and select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order, $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Locked On. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked On. Don't forget that's code Locked On for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. So a couple of positions stand out to me that are a little bit more of not so much a question mark, but a little bit of a battle. And we've seen the the meteoric explosion of uh, number one, who is Jody Fordson. And I have to say that while I, I, I've spoke to him over a year ago and I felt like he had good upside, but to be at this point where I think he's competing against guys that have experience on this active roster Right now, where do you think that that stands for to say the the sixth spot on the wide receiver group? Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, sure, the Chiefs have their top four, and you're not going to dislodge either of any of those guys. So you know who those four are. Um, I would say that you know, barring any injuries, Byron Pringle is probably your solid number five at this point because he he can do everything, and he is someone that they trust on special teams. He's can play the gunner position. So I think that feels pretty safe. And then I think that's the next group down that Fortson's in, which would include, you know, Gary Dieter. I think Marcus Kemp will join that, you know, conversation now that he's, you know, kind of getting up to speed. He'll be in that kind of mix. So maybe it's three guys for one more spot if they decide to to keep six. And and like I said, I mean, it's, you know, Pringle, I wouldn't say it's 100% for that fifth spot, but I'd probably put him at like 80%. Okay. Taking that fifth spot. So yeah, if they go with six, then you've got probably those three guys. Um, I've been hearing, Hey, you know, Justin Shelton Mosley, the rookie from Vanderbilt, you know, is a return guy. Um, that's probably the dark horse for me is, you know, somebody who could maybe break in. I know Maurice French, it sounds like he's had a couple of good, you know, moments here and there, but those to me all seem like, you know, practice squad type candidates at this point mm-hmm. than anything else. Um, I think it's, I think it's those three, three guys for what would be the sixth spot. And like I said, I mean, maybe Pringle falls out, but I think it's those three for maybe one more spot. Well, and Chiefs have generally kept a lot of wide receivers on the practice squad. So I can see that happening yeah. rather regularly. I think it comes down to, do you sp- play special teams like Marcus Kemp and you're trying to learn the offense or are you making noise as an, a wide receiver and you got to learn to play special teams? Maybe that's what it boils down to. But if it doesn't boil that far, do you think there's any way they keep seven wide receivers on this active roster? I would, I'd see it as, as hard to do for very long. And, mm-hmm. and if they did, I mean, it would be that they see all of them as playing special teams. And remember, Gary Dieter hasn't always been a special teams player. I mean, he's, he's hasn't had a lot of experience there. Um, Jody Fortson doesn't have a lot of experience there either. So um, if you're going to keep seven, boy, that seventh wide receiver has got to play every single special teams role. And if not, then that makes it hard. But you're right. I mean, and remember, with 16 practice squad spots this year, yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if the Chiefs don't have at least three receivers on the practice squad, in which case there's plenty of room. And remember, too, I mean, you know, 
they've got six spots with unlimited experience. So, you know, in past years where a Garrick Dieter wouldn't be eligible for the practice squad and Marcus Kemp, you know, wouldn't be eligible because they've got at least three years experience in the league. Mm-hmm. Now you can't. So those guys can still be on the practice squad. Welcome, Matt Moore. Uh, knock on wood. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that progression goes because there's so many bodies at that one position group. One that doesn't have a ton of bodies that I'm not concerned about so much, but I'm definitely keeping an eye on it. And that mostly revolves around the uh, ankle joint of one number 91. Derek Nottie hasn't practiced yet, and they're taking it pretty easily, right? But that position group as a whole, we just found out that Mike Pinnell is going to face a two-game suspension. Um, luckily, it won't be against the Ravens, so that's a plus. But the Texans can run the ball as well. Um, the Chargers have some interesting facts. How do they go about replacing him, and what does that rotation look like in the first couple of weeks at defensive tackle? Yeah, I mean, you were certainly with missing Pinnell for the first couple of weeks. You definitely want to have, make sure you've got Derek Nottie. Uh, because without him, then yeah, it's, it's Chris Jones and Colin Saunders is who you're running with there. Um, and then, you know, yeah, where do you go after that? I mean, without those next two guys there, um, they brought back Braxton Hoyt. So I guess he's, you know, competing there. Uh, uh, <laughs> Lawrence has played some. I mean, and hey, what, Tano Passano, you can kick inside. You know, you can yep. do some creative things um, with some of the guys you've got. But no, I mean, not having Naughty would be a big blow for the beginning of the season, not having Pinnell too, because at that point, missing those two guys, yeah, the numbers start to get really, really thin. Yeah. And if they have to go deeper, like you, you mentioned the guys that might be behind them on the roster, how comfortable you uh, specifically with Colin Saunders if he has to play right off the bat this season? Yeah, I mean, everything I've heard about Saunders is that he's been looking really sharp. And, mm. you know, and, and last year, you know, he, he, I thought he struggled a little bit early until he kind of caught up with the speed of the game. And then I still think that there was even a little bit of just the length of the season and the jump from FCS to, you know, the NFL was a, it was tough and, you know, and just the number of games. So it seemed like maybe stamina was a, you know, an issue at times. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems from what I've heard to be, you know, much more prepared this time around. So, um, yeah, he, I mean, if he would be running with the ones in my mind, you know, as far as if you don't have a, a Pinnell and, and a naughty. Okay. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think the Chiefs have any concerns at this point. I mean, like I said, I think the concerns come down after Saunders, but I think they would be, they'd be comfortable. But once again, I mean, if Colin Saunders is starting, that means there's not much depth behind them. And so that gets into the the crossover phase, like for a, a year where they actually have more defensive ends than they probably know what to do with. And like you said, some can kick inside, led by Tano Passano, who I understand is having a good camp overall. But is that a concern of, of weakening overall? And who do you think right now is going to be your your day one starter opposite Frank Clark? Yeah, I mean, if healthiest, I still think it's going to be Alex Okafor. Um, that's the question. You know, hey, it's it's going to be if, if he's healthy. If not, I mean, Tom Passano, I think, is at this point proven that he's probably the number three guy that that position. So he would be the next man up. And, and I talk about him kicking inside. The Chiefs definitely don't want to do that on a permanent basis. I mean, they view Tano as really being more of an inside pass rusher situationally rather than being somebody that would be in there on rundowns playing inside. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a drawback there as far as, you know, how, how often you could kick him inside, but Taco Carlton probably next, um, you know, Mike Dana has been banged up. So I don't know if we really know how much we're going to have from him. 
Um, the guy that, you know, we're not hearing a lot from that I think you got to be concerned about is Breland Speaks. Um, you know, it's been really quiet. I mean, other than, you know, we've, we've heard that he's in better shape this year. He's lost some weight. Um, but outside of that, there hasn't been a lot of noise. And I, I this is a make or break year for Speaks. Mm-hmm. And even hearing Steve Spagnolo talking about him last week and, you know, just some of the concerns that, you know, it's really kind of his first year in the defense because he didn't get any experience with it last year, getting hurt so early. I that's the guy I don't know how he fits into the mix right now. That's going to be really interesting to see. And I agree with you. Like you did a good job getting in better shape. Now, can you translate it onto performance on the practice field? And just in general, does it seem to you that guys that maybe traditionally have been the the gamer type that maybe don't practice that great, but have a tendency to show up on Sundays? Are they at a disadvantage because of the the nature of this camp? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole, there's a couple of different groups that kind of fit into that category that either either are hurt or benefit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lack of preseason games, eh, gosh, it's definitely going to hurt the you know those bottom twenty twenty five guys on the roster right now because that's the only place they can get tape. I mean, that's the only place that they can prove themselves. A lot of them, you know, that bottom end of the roster, if they're running even with the threes right now, there's not as many opportunities for them as there have been in past camps because you're too busy getting the ones and the twos ready to play. So, yeah, I mean, that those guys that maybe do play better and flash better on game day are probably hurt. Conversely, the guys that are practice all-stars and maybe aren't ready for the bright lights, they're benefiting because there's no lights to play under. And we'll see. I mean, you know, I don't know. That's that's something you know, a lot of the coaches talk about is, you know, how well you can perform when the bullets start flying in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how different is that going to be playing in front of 16,000 people? Will that be the same? Will just playing in a big stadium on, you know, knowing you're on national TV, will that be enough to kind of spook some guys? We don't know how they're going to perform. I mean, and and honestly, the Chiefs and the coaches, they don't know how these rookies and young guys are going to perform either. It's going to be just as much a mystery to them when you get into the season as it is to us. Well, and one guy that stands out to me that uh, maybe is the biggest question mark, Steve Spagnuolo said that he's got a ways to go. And he said this the other day in reference to how they're going to go about trying to make up for the fact they're not going to have Bashad Breeland for a number of games. Uh, just your general feel about how the youth in the, the secondary is coming along and, and my guy LJ Sneed in particular, is there is there ups and downs? How do you think they're going to attack replacing Bashad? Yeah, I mean, taking Spagnolo at face value, I mean, he says at this point it's probably going to be a couple of different guys. And he said the same thing about how you replace, you know, Kendall Fuller as well, that, you know, it's maybe not going to be just one player. It'll be a couple of different players. Uh, I, I still think the jury's out on what they're going to do with Breland because they got a couple of different options. Um, I think Rashad Fenton has probably played himself into being the solid number two with Breland out. The question is going to be whether they want to try and load him up where he could start on the outside and then kick inside when they go to those nickel coverages and they, they bring three corners out. Um, or they leave him on the inside permanently and are looking for somebody just to play on the outside. If that's the case, then yeah, I mean, I think Spagnolo is probably trying to maybe lay down the challenge a little bit to Sneed mm-hmm. to step up and try and get him ready because I think that 
he's probably got the skill set and the most ability to be that player. Hamilton's got the most experience, but once again, I mean, he had four years in New York to try and secure one of those spots and hadn't done it. So at that point, you just, you know, at some point you say, okay, well, he's a, he's a backup and a key special teams player. Um, after that, Bobby Keys, you know, one is still recovering from the orbital injury, so hasn't really been out there. And I wonder, you know, if the Chiefs didn't just envision this as a red shirt year for him anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, because remember, even though he's a draft pick, he was looking like he was going to go undrafted. And the Chiefs came and moved back into the draft to pick him up simply because they knew they couldn't sign him as a, as an unrestricted free agent. So that's I, I, I don't know if I would be putting a whole lot of stock in thinking, OK, well, Keys can come in and play that role. After that, yeah, now you're starting to think of maybe more of the outside the box options. I mean, can a rookie undrafted rookie like a Rodney Clemens make the team and be in that rotation? Or now does the fact that you have about 38 safeties play a role here? Um, and because you know that you know that the honey badger can, you know, help you out at corner if you need be. But I think this defense at its, at its best that they learned last year that if the offense doesn't know where Matthew was lining up, that's when they're at their best. They've got to have that, that unpredictability. So if you pigeonhole Tyron Matthew into one spot, then I make think it makes this de- this defense a lot more one dimensional. So I think they want to try and figure out a way that they can get around that. And if that means, you know, being creative with maybe, you know, Matthew does play a corner a little bit, maybe he kicks inside, you know, and covers a little bit. Maybe you do try and, you know, make your way through with, um, you know, a Tedrick Thompson, maybe an Adrian Colbert can help out. Those aren't permanent solutions at corner, but, you know, can they play specific roles and maybe, you know, play a little zone if that's the case? I, that's where Spagnuolo is going to have to try and get creative, but I would not be surprised in the least if in the first, you know, four weeks of the season with Breland out, we see a lot of different lineups. We see guys rotating through there. It would, the one thing that would surprise me is that if we see that third corner being a guy who plays a hundred percent of all the snaps, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I think they're going to give some guys some drives. They're going to give them an opportunity to, to win that spot because, you know, without preseason games, you can't they really don't know chemistry. I mean, this this is the preseason, the first the first month of the season. Oh, it's an interesting lineup to have to go against. But hey, that's where we're at this week, folks. And we'll check back in with Matt next week to see what's changed, which will probably be all my opinions. But thanks for all the time, Matt. Absolutely, Ryan. Take care. We'll have more from Chiefs training camp tomorrow and Friday. We're going to start giving you our early look at the roster prediction. So thanks for listening to us today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.